Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. Welcome to a very special episode of the NRL Bulldogs Fans Podcast. I am here along with Scott again, and we have a special guest tonight. It is former NRL player and 2004 Premiership winner, Adam Perry. Adam, welcome to the podcast, and thank you very much for giving us your time. Thanks for having me, boys. Um, just to start it, you were born in, it's correct, you were born in Junine? Yeah, that's right, mate. Yeah, grew up in Junine. Yeah, played all my junior footy there. Uh, who did you grow up supporting? Um, I probably shouldn't say this out loud, but yeah, I was an Eels supporter as a kid. <laughs> um, the old man, my old man used to go for the Bulldogs and growing up in the 80s and early 90s, I think it was a bit of a, just a, used to go for the Eels just to give it to me old man because he was a dog supporter. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time, Adam. No, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, who was your favourite player? Uh, who was your favourite rugby league player growing up? Um, I used to chop and change a little bit. Um, early on, I liked um, Brett Kenny as a kid and then Blocker was a favourite of mine. Um, then as I got older, like Bradley Clyde, um and Freddie Fittler. Um but being from June A, Laurie Daly was always a bit of a favourite as well. Did you always play hooker as a child? Or was that a position to come later? Yeah, no, I my first real season as a hooker was the first year I went to Sydney, went to the dogs. So growing up I was always bigger than everyone else and I played played a lot of front row as in my own age group. Um, but every weekend I'd play up age groups as well and um, sort of usually get put into the halves in maybe 5'8 and um, those sorts of positions when I play up an age group or up a couple of age groups. And then um, I think it was 90, 96, I was lucky enough to make the Australian schoolboys and when we were on tour, Ben Galea was the only hooker in the side and they end up um, giving him a rest for a couple of games and putting me in there. So I had a couple of games at Hooker there. But then, um, yeah, when I'd signed with the Dogs, Mark Hughes um, sort of said, look, I think you've got an OK passing game. And I think you're not going to be very fast over any more than about 10 metres. So <laughs> um, maybe give Hooker a bit of a crack and look, at it turned out OK. Absolutely. Do you think playing a, a different roles growing up helped you? Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, obviously you look at the, the positions I played as a kid as a front rower, sort of got me used to collision and making tackles and those sorts of things. And and then playing in the halves got me used to passing the ball and catching the ball and what what the halves really needed when they, they were getting the ball. So I think it was um, a perfect mix for for learning how to play hooker. And I think it's a good, it's a good lesson for kids to don't don't pigeon your pigeonhole yourself in one position as a kid because you might change as you get older. Like if I had only been a front rower and I'm I didn't get any higher than four foot five or whatever I am, then <laughs> I, I would have never been a front rower in the NRL, would I? So um, yeah, the more more experience you get in all different positions, the better you're going to end up. All right, and just before we start jumping into the the bulldog side of things. Uh, rugby league players are famous for superstitions. Did you have any going throughout your career? Um, a little bit. I sort of tried to do the same thing 
in as a, in the lead into every game. So I'd sort of put the socks on in the same order and I'd tape my socks up and, and try and have a bit of a routine. But then I got real particular about it all and I actually had to have a chat to myself and say, stop being so <laughs> crazy about it. And, and so I went away from it and I actually had a good game when I went away from it. And then I ended up having a bit of a superstition where I couldn't have, couldn't do the same things week after week. And so I was rattled again. So <laughs> after a little while, I was okay though. It's just uh, do what yeah. you needed to get done. Sounds like a bit of a mind maze. Oh, it absolutely is. And yeah, I've seen some good ones too. A few of the boys were, were crazy. Oh yeah, what are some of the best you've seen? Mark O'Malley's probably the best one with the uh, the deep. You all would have heard about the rubbing the deep heat into his head, yeah. and he's got the different colour Gatorades at different stages leading or Powerade leading into the game. <laughs> then there's other people like Rod Silver. You used to have to wake him up to go out for the warm up. He'd go get his clothes on and then fall asleep on the <laughs> massage table and. Someone would have to go shake him and wake him up and get him to go out for the warm up. Well, he's the exact opposite, the ogre. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's that's gold. That's gold. When you started at the Bulldogs, who reached out to sign you, and how how was the process in that? Um, as I mentioned before, I was lucky enough to make that uh, make an Australian schoolboy side, um, and I think the Australian champs were down in Adelaide. And uh, Mark Hughes was the recruitment recruitment officer for the dogs. And, um, yeah, sort of went from there. Um, there was a couple of boys in that side that that signed with the dogs from that year. Um, Trent Runciman was one. Um, Terence Fatusi, a couple of guys. that uh, Trent went and played a couple of games of first grade. He played one game of first grade at the dogs and then a few more games at, at the Tigers. Um, I'm not sure if Chance actually kicked on, but we had a few um, few people that I knew that had, that had signed with the Dogs. So, um, yeah, it's sort of being from June and country boy, having to move away from home, it made, made that decision a little bit easier that there was going to be another couple of country boys up there that I knew, um, make that transition a bit easier. With your dad being a Dogs fan, how did he take that news that you'd signed with Canterbury? Yeah, he was pretty happy. Um, yeah, he'd, he'd always been a, a dog supporter and loved Terry Lamb. And um, he actually, he, my first year at the Dogs, he actually passed away. Um, so he never got to see me play first grade. But um, he watched my first game of reserve grade, which uh, I think I played, I think it was just a trial game against the Panthers at Belmore in 97. So I'd been playing 19s all year. And then there was, for some reason, there was, it would have been when they did the World Club Challenge and the first grade side was playing the Pommy sides. And so, um, yeah, I think we must have had a trial against the Panthers in reserve grade and I actually got to have have a game in the reserve grade side for the first time. And my old man was up to see that. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, later that year he passed away. So. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that, Adam. I didn't actually know that. Um, it's a bit of a sad alert there. Scotty, do you want to continue? Yeah, sorry, Adam. Um, were, were you close? To, was there any other clubs chasing you? Were you close to signing with anyone else? Um, I'd been on scholarship with the Steelers um, in the lead up to it. And 
again, there was a few boys that I knew from there. And, um, there was actually one of my mates from home um, who I played footy with from under sevens. He'd signed a scholarship with the, with the Steelers as well. And then um, as we were getting towards year 12, the end of year 12, there was a lot of guys that we played rep footy with that were at the Steelers were telling us not to go there that it was, yeah, not the place to be. So we both actually pulled out of that and um, my mate ended up going to the Roosters and I went over to the Dogs. So um, I did I did have trials at other clubs and and things like that and there would have been opportunities at a couple of other clubs, but nothing as solid as the, the offer from, from the Bulldogs. Yeah, and then in 1998, uh, you played in the reserve grade grand final. How was that experience? Do you remember the game? And uh, were you nervous beforehand? Yeah, I, I remember parts of the game. Um, I would have been nervous, I'm sure, because I get nervous before every game of footy. But um, I remember the game. I remember we were getting we were getting beaten like 22-4 or something like that with not too much time to go. And um, I remember Dave Riolo was fullback for Parramatta break and... Simon Gillies actually ran him down and tackled him over the sideline and a great big all-in brawl started. Um, and, yeah, from there, we sort of fought our way back and we ended up winning by two points. I remember it was like like the first grade side had done the week before against the Eels, how they'd come back from a big deficit and then won in extra time. It was, it was really similar. They were well out in front of us and we... Um, yeah, fought our way back with no time left and, and won that game. I remember we had a really good side that day. A lot of guys that went on to play heaps of first grade. Asm and Shifty and Steve Hughes. There was a bunch of... Mitch Newton. There was a bunch of guys in that side. But Simon Gillies played for Australia. So, yeah. So you went on to make your debut on the 26th of April in 1998 against the Roosters. Yeah. Uh, when did you find out you were going to be playing that game? Uh and who was the first person you called to let know that you're to let know that you're playing? Jeez, it was that long ago. I can't remember all the details to be honest <laughs> with you. But um, I sort of I remember a couple of weeks before, Jace Hetherington might have had a bit of a cork, and they put me on standby. Um, but he ended up coming good and playing. But it sort of let me know that I was close, close to getting a start if anything did happen. And then. I think the week before we played um, the Sharks and Jason um, got done for a spear tackle on there, on Dean Treaster and missed the week. Um, and then, yeah, I got, I got called in um, to take his spot there. So um, I can't remember who I told, but no doubt it would have been, would have been on the phone to mum and I had, Half of the town, half of June A were up there for the game. So word would have spread pretty quickly. And it was it was good to see everyone up there. Even though we got, I think it was 46-4 or something crazy like that, we got flogged. And I was miles off the pace. But, um, yeah, good experience nonetheless. That leads um, into our next question. How does um, reserve grade compare to the NRL after you had that taste? Yeah, it was it a was lot, so much faster. I, I just... I remember thinking I was obviously doing okay in reserve grade to get that to get that call up and um, my first attempted tackle in first grade 
I went to smash Dave Barnhill and I missed him by a metre and a half. He just sidestepped me. And then from there, I was backpedalling all game. I think Adrian Lamb stepped me about six times during the game. And, yeah, I was just, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot faster. I, I don't know if it was more physical because there was, at back then, reserve grade was really strong. And we had a lot of good players in our reserve grade. And we came up against a lot of good players in reserve grade. But it was definitely faster. In 2000, you won your second reserve grade grand final. Did playing the 98 one make it easier for you? Uh, yeah, I think the more you play, the more experience you get. And, um, and having played a fair bit of first grade um, towards the end of 99, there it sort of gave me a bit of confidence to be able to try and go back to reserve grade and be a, try and be a bit of a leader. Um, that would... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it played out that way. I remember the uh, that grand final. We were we were playing the Panthers and we were ahead by a fair bit. And they were coming back at us. And um, I remember thinking, try and calm this down. I roll the ball into touch and I jumped out from dummy half and kicked the ball and it went about fifteen rows back into the into the grandstand. So they got the ball in good field position. Were coming at us again. Yeah, we end up holding on. I think it was only two or four points that we we end up getting them by. I think that year we it was something crazy. Like we finished seventh and they finished eighth, or like it was two really low sides that that um, end up playing in the grand final. Well, that that can happen in reserve grade with players coming up and down and all over the place. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, we had a really good siren. Trav Norton and guys like that were in that. I think Rod Silver maybe even in that 2000 side. We had had a good good group of reserve um, like guys that were first graders playing in that reserve grade side. Yeah, you've mentioned uh, Jason Hedrington a couple of times. How much of an impact did he have on your career? Um, a lot of those older guys when I first came in were, were really good. Um, yeah, guys like Jason Hedrington, Steve Reard and Darren Britt. They um, not only on how to play, but they taught you how to prepare for a game, how you need to train hard and um, what it means to to be part of that team and, and sticking by your mates and all those sorts of things. They, yeah, they were all great for me. Um, and I think that's potentially where the club's struggling a little bit at the moment is that, Maybe we haven't got a few of those guys like that around the place to be able to help the younger fellas out and, and teach them what what the Bulldogs culture is supposed to be about. Do you remember your first NRL try? Uh, vaguely. I think it was against Eels. Um, the, I think I, I, I got the ball, like I was at first receiver, and I think... Uh, Troy Stone actually passed me the ball and um, I ran over this really big fella. I don't know if you remember him. Luke Burt, I think his name is. <laughs> <laughs> Massive. <laughs> Massive yeah, guy. It was, it was, um, that was probably my longest try too. So it was probably, I think it was about three metres out. I scored that one from. <laughs> that was round five, 2000 at Stadium Australia. Well, yeah, right. I, 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 I was against the Eels, yeah. I thought that was it. 
I can only remember a couple of them. So not that I got many, but. <laughs> Was there a moment where you felt like you've made it as a Lenaro player? Um, yeah, I don't know. I was, I was probably before every single game, I used to get really nervous and worried about letting my mates down. And I think that's, that's probably shows that I wasn't ever really comfortable and secure in being a first grader. I know, I know folks who used to have a lot more confidence in me than I actually had in myself, which is probably not a great thing. I wish I'd, I wish I could go back and be a bit more confident and, um, and back me skills and back me ability a bit more. But um, for some reason, whatever reason it was, that's the way I was. Well, I thought we would jump into the 2002 season. Uh, do you remember the feeling when uh, when you found out the club was caught for breaking the salary cap? Yeah, well, at, initially it was really confusing because like, we didn't know what had gone on. And then I remember the days after it, it was... It was really tough. It was, um, like, again, still confusing because we didn't know what was going to happen. And then, um, and yeah, we were we were chatting, but you obviously don't, you don't know the ins and outs of what's going on because we're just, you worry about yourself and then you worry about playing footy for your teammates. I know when I say you worry about yourself, I'm talking about the contractual sort of side of things, yeah. Like you don't go into what anyone else is getting paid or how they're getting paid or anything like that. So it's um yeah, it was it was a pretty tough time and when they when they decided to dock us all those points it was it was really hard to take because we'd obviously worked really hard all year. Um, we'd had a we'd earn all those wins and I think we showed over the next couple of years that um, when we were salary cap compliant, we were still, we were still one of the best sides. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think the fans, uh, it really hit the fans hard as well because um, I suppose the players and the fans, it's not their fault, but they're the ones that get punished. hundred percent. I totally agree. And I think that's probably, one of the things that helped us through that time was seeing the support from from the fans. I know the game after it was down at Canberra, and um, I remember seeing so many little white supporters down there. It was I just like at a time when you thought everyone's turned on us. Like it was um, it was great to see so much support after. Um... After the salary cap news broke and all that, was there a time where you thought that you might have to leave the club? Um, personally, no. I oh, know we all um, like when when that happened in two thousand and two, we all agreed to we all t- took a pay cut um, across the board to make sure that we could stay, um, and pretty much everyone did that um, to stick together. So. Um, it's it's one of the things with being a footy player is you don't know um, when your contract runs out whether you're gonna whether you're gonna get another gig or not. So that's a worry that's there the whole career, your whole career, I suppose. But um, probably during that time, I wasn't any more so than previously, or 
for them later on because um, because of what had happened, we wanted to all stick together and show everyone that we can get under the salary cap, but we can also still be one of the best sides. You mentioned earlier the fans, the support from the fans coming from the, the, the next game. So how did the Bulldogs keep on winning games after we couldn't make finals? Yeah, and that, that's probably the reason why, is because the fans kept turning up. Um, and we were a good side. We were fit and strong and we were a good team. So um, it's almost, I think when that happened, um, it created a bit of an attitude of, um, look, it's us against everyone else, stuff everyone else. We we don't care what the outside world thinks. It's just us players, our staff, us supporters, we're in this for us. And and I think that was the same in years to come as well. Um, when things would go to shit, we'd stick together and we'd stick hard. And then if people were throwing stones at us, then it didn't matter because there were so many of us there to help each other out. Well, before we move on, before all the salary cap stuff broke into news and, and all that sort of stuff, how was it like to play in that team that year? Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty crazy. And like, I remember a few games where we would, we weren't playing well and we were struggling, but somehow we'd just find a way to win. You know, they, you hear, you hear people talk about it that. Losing's a habit and winning can be a habit as well. And that's what it was like. We just, we'd find a way to win, no matter how bad we were or what was going on. We'd, um, uh, we, we had a lot of really good individuals as well that had, they could turn a game or create something out of nothing. And um, yeah, I, I think it was just a, it was a pretty crazy year. 17 in a row, I think it was. That's, which is, I think, second most ever. I think, I think the Roosters, seventy four or seventy five side or something. One of those teams has got like twenty one wins in a row, but seventeen in a row is pretty good. It was, and um, that included that famous win against Newcastle in Newcastle as well. What a game! Yeah, yeah that was amazing. Well, that's that's what you do as a little kid. Like when you're down at the park, you're sitting there lining as a ten year old, lining up your goal kick going. Adam Perry to take this kick from the sideline. They're down by one. Siren's gone. <laughs> and you replay it when you miss the first few times. <laughs> well, now that you mentioned that, was there ever a chance that you're going to uh, tell Hazard to step aside and take the kick yourself? Not a chance. I actually <laughs> wouldn't didn't play that game, so uh-huh. I was uh, I was watching. But uh, yeah, so definitely not. Although uh, maybe if I'd had a few beers on the hill, I might have been pushing him out of the way. When you were watching that game in particular, when Hazem took the goal kick, yeah. uh, I remember my thing was just, I was staring at the screen. I felt like I went for like an hour, just freaking out, hopefully he would get it. Uh, what did, what was your thoughts? Did you think he was going to nail it? Or was there a bit of nerves? Uh, there was definitely nerves. But at the same time, if someone's going to kick for your life, that's the guy that you'd get to do it. He's... That cool under pressure and it's almost like he, like the bigger the moment, the the, the more he rises to it. As he's, I don't know, he's he's amazing with that sort of stuff. But he's sort of a bit like 
Jono as well. Like a big, big moment comes along and you think, here we go, these guys, are, they're going to do it. It has always been like that. All right, jumping into the 2004 season, uh, started off with a, a pretty big scandal. How did that impact the team at all? Did that bring the boys closer together again, like uh, O2? Yeah, I think, like I said before, it was it was really tough because we, we weren't allowed to put forward our sides of the story. We were told we had to be quiet and not say anything, so that's what we did. And we let the proceedings happen, which ended up being that there was no case to answer. But at the same time, we were getting bombarded by media and everyone accusing us of things. And, um, again, I think we... We came together. We um, it was a bit of a stuff you all, and we'll just take care of each other and take care of ourselves. And um, obviously, it's uh, yeah, it did draw us all together closer, and we we had a good year that year. Did uh, you struggle personally with the extra media attention at all? Um, not so much. It was I found it really awkward, like. Because they were there every single training session all the time and it was just, you didn't know how to, like you get out of the car and walk into train and do you uh, smile at them or do you uh, put your head down or do you uh, look upset? Like what's the right way to act? Or, like, but it was just, yeah, it was awkward and strange when, you know, we knew what the outcome was going to be, um, but we weren't allowed to say anything, so... Yeah, I just found it a bit strange. And I don't know. It's a very interesting yeah. point you make there because it's kind of like whatever you would have done would have been the wrong thing. If you walk around right. smiling, it's like these guys aren't taking this seriously. If you drop your head, it's like, oh, what are these guys hiding? Or like, the way the media works. You hundred uh, percent, and you've seen it with uh, you look at Brady Croft over the last couple of weeks where he's. He laughs and jokes with some former teammates and he gets bagged for it. He cries and he gets bagged for it. Like a, a similar sort of thing. Like, yeah, uh, the, the media can make things look whichever way they want it. All right. Well, 2004 was a famous year for the win. Uh, the grand final win, of course. Um, did the 2003 season uh, drive the club to that premiership? Um, look, 2003 was a good year as well. Like we got close um, and got beaten by a really good Roosters side that that final. Um, and I think that probably the the fact that we played them in that game before the grand final might have taken a bit out of them for the following week for them for the grand final. So um, I, I don't know whether missing out spurs you on because you every single year you line it up. Yeah. You're hoping to do well, and that's your goal. That's why you're riding K's on the bike and running the kilometres on the field and doing the weights is because you want to be the best and you want to win that comp. In the grand, like the grand final week, it's very, uh, it's a massive week, especially when your team's involved. As a, I'm just speaking as a fan. Could you tell me what the grand? Can you remember much of the grand final week and what it was like for you? Um, yeah, grand final week. It was. Yeah, it was it was a little bit busier. Like there was more photos, more more jerseys to sign, more more bits and pieces. Um, lots more fans at, at training sessions and things like that. Um, obviously, you got that the grand final breakfast and bits and pieces that are 
that are thrown in there. But I think we were really lucky in that we, like having Folksy as a coach who'd played in four, I think, or five or something crazy. So he knew how to keep things as, as close to normal as possible. Um, yeah, and I think we we all enjoyed the week. We after we made the grand final, we all went and had a few beers and had a good night and and enjoyed the fact that we were going to be playing in a grand final the next week. And then we got down to business and got to work and yeah, had a good week um, leading into it. And then obviously the game was what it was, and we we got the win. What What do you remember about the game? Not heaps. I remember. I remember I forgot to take my boots up, which I do every every single game. Um, I remember I was ready, fully dressed in my kit before the... I remember sitting there in the sheds watching the reserve grade game on TV and then they showed the Roosters players getting off the bus. I was fully ready to play and they were just getting off the bus. So I was <laughs> obviously a little bit nervous. Um, yeah... Uh, I remember we were under the pump there for a fair bit in the second half and trying to hold on. And um, But, yeah, I remember more so of the, the bus trip home and all the fans everywhere. And one of the most amazing experiences of my life is that getting back to the Leagues Club or that the last kilometre from Canterbury Road to, to the Leagues Club there at Belmore, um, the police having to push fans out of the way of the bus for us to get through the crowds to to get back there and then seeing just as just a sea of blue and white fans and cheering and carrying people and like it was it was amazing amazing when did it like feel like you guys won i know obviously we win the grand final when did it sink in that you went wow i'm a premiership winner for the bulldogs yeah, you know, I I don't know that it, I don't know that it still has to be honest with you. Some like for a, someone who dreamt of playing the NRL as a little kid, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know if it's still reality some days, but I don't know when you when you chat about it with other mates or you know, I don't know. Yeah, it took a while, I think. You reflect on it um, occasionally and talk about little experiences like that when when people ask. Like I coach a team down here, I coach Gandigoa in the Group Nine comp, and occasionally the boys will ask about bits and pieces of my playing career or the celebrations after that game and things like that. And you sort of takes you back to then and gives you an appreciation for how lucky I was to be a part of it and experience it all. I'm going to ask a specific question about the game. If you can't remember, that's all good. But um, you played the first 26, 27 minutes, came off at six all, uh, which has gone on to a 13 points to the sixth lead. Dogs came back 16, 13. But that was with, uh, I think it was about 15 or 20 minutes to go. Um, You went back on the field at 16, 13. What was the mindset? What were you thinking in those final stages? Was it just hold them out or...? Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't remember what I was thinking, to be honest with you. But um, but we we I'd assume that we would have been just doing what we always do. We turn up in defence for each other and make sure we 
that Folksy was all about the, the processes. So you take care of all those little things. You take care of catching the ball and you take care of running the right lines and you take care of throwing good passes and, and making good tackles and, and working in the tackles and those sorts of things. And then the big picture takes care of itself. So um, I think that would have been our mindset. Make your tackles, catch a ball, run hard, all those sorts of things. And then the result will... The result will be where we want it to be. The the ending of it, I don't know if you remember, it was quite thrilling when the Roosters had a final crack. Yeah. And Andrew Wright the ankle tap, which caused the ball to come out with about, I think yeah. it was like seven seconds left. Luke Patton mucked around and said, if Andrew Ryan wasn't there, it's all good boys, I got it. Did he? Was he like yeah. that all the time, Luke Patton? Bit of a clown? Uh, yeah, sometimes, yeah. He's, um, since he retired, he'd, um, he'd taken up playing a bit of league tag, um, Oz tag. And he'd, um, he actually won, we got, we had a bit of a get together and he was telling us about how he's playing Oztag and how he, every week he'd line up and these people would look over and see Luke Patton over there playing and they think that they're going to get one over on him. And he, he still obviously moves pretty good and he's pretty fit. He played league again last year, I think, but he started nicknaming himself the dream. He nicknamed himself the Dream Crusher because all these people had dreams of getting one over on Luke Patton and he'd, he'd go out onto the Oztag uh, field and crush their dreams. <laughs> all right. Uh, moving into the post-career, uh, you uh, went on to captain coach uh, Julie, did you? Yeah, yeah. So we went back, moved back home. Um, had three seasons at Junie. I think I captain coached two of them and then Played another year. Um, first year back there, we had a really good season. Got within a game of the grand final and um, club won the club championships for the first time in its history, um, which was really good. The second year, we, we had quite a few injuries, so a bit tough a year. But um, 2010, I think, was my third season. And I only played that year and we made the grand final, but um, unfortunately got beaten. Um, beaten by Chumut, which were a good side that year. So, um, yeah, good few years of playing for the home club. Well, just to add to that, did, uh, when you were playing and coaching, uh, did that um, add extra pressure on you? Like, you know, you've won a grand final for the Bulldogs and uh, being an NRL player who's played over 100 NRL games. Did that, was there added, added pressure on you? Um, there probably was a bit of expectation, maybe, but. Um, yeah, I just did what I could do, and um, like I tried to, I tried to have a bit of a club focus to make sure that a few of the younger fellas were making sure they get their football education and made sure they, the the team learn about the the rewards for working hard and those sorts of things. So um, it wasn't wholly and solely about winning games of footy. It was trying to make the club a better better club when I was when I was there, so, um, and hopefully I did that for a little while. You are, according to our research, you then became a regional development manager at the NRL. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so when I moved, first moved back, um, um, a guy named Rick Keast was a development officer back here, and um, when the dogs told me I wasn't getting another contract, I actually gave him a call and said, mate, do you mind if I... Um, put you down on my resume because every summer or every break I'd have, I'd come home and I'd go around and go to schools and do bits and pieces with him and help him out. And um, 
when I called him and said that it was it was around August, I think, and he um he said, Oh well actually fella's just about to finish up with us. We can keep the job free for you until until you can get back here. So um so that's a decision that I made was to yeah, you know, when I finished footy and moved back home and and um started a job with Country Rugby League it was at the time. Um in the November of the that year I finished up in the NRL. Um since then the commission came in and the CRL and the ARL development joined and that became NRL development and um and I've sort of progressed through a little bit, um getting some managers roles with that. So at the moment I look after uh, Southwest region, which is um, sort of Group Nine and Group Twenty, Wagga, Griffith type area, um, and also the Western area, which is like your Group Ten, Group Eleven, Dubbo, Bathurst, Orange, all the way up to Broken Hill and up to Burke and out around there. Um, you've then gone. I mean, just recently, is it? Biosecurity liaison officer. Liaison officer, yeah. I couldn't say that. Yeah. I was so scared. Yeah. Of my <laughs> yeah. So when um when the uh we we actually got um stood down, I suppose, because uh, of the COVID situation. Um, but during that time, obviously, um, the NRL was coming back on deck and to do that they needed um, to follow a bunch of procedures and protocols and and rules that they had to adhere to to um, appease governments and all those sorts of things so they I think uh, I, I actually was able to do a bit of work with the Raiders um, get over there and, and be the biosecurity liaison officer <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, which was, yeah, just making sure that they did everything that they needed to do. Um, everyone was, things were getting cleaned that needed to be cleaned and they were doing all the testing, all that sort of stuff that needed to be done. Um, and then we got to double up game days because only a certain amount of people were allowed into games. So you do the biosecurity stuff before the game and then I'd become the interchange official and then if the team won I became the sound guy and and got the team song and that sort of stuff as well. So it was it was a pretty good experience. Obviously, um back with Sticky who I got to play with at the dogs. Um back down he's obviously head coach down there, but also Andrew McFadden's um, one of the assistant coaches and I got to play um I think it was New South Wales Super League nineteens maybe we played together. In that side, so I've known Cappy for a long time as well. And with my work with the NRL, Canberra's our closest club, so they quite often come out and do a bit of work out in our region and um, get around to schools and do that sort of stuff. So I was lucky. I knew a few of the boys already and made it, made it um, a pretty easy transition over there. When you were doing the, the, the cleaning for, for all the COVID procedures, did you notice that any of the players got frustrated or anything? Or was it something they were kind of like confused about? Um, I think they understood. Like it, it does get a bit, um, gets a bit monotonous. I think having to change your shoes every single day when you come in, and like the whole process of making sure you've done your app before you turn it. Like all these little bits and pieces that they have to do. I think the hardest part for them is not being able to socialise and not being able to just go for a coffee at a cafe 
at the moment where everyone else in public in in society is allowed to do that whereas the under the protocols at the moment i think it's still the moment i'm not i'm out of that at the moment so i don't know the exact rules but they had to come to train and, and then they had to go home they'd only allowed to stop for petrol or like necessary shopping or whatever and then even when they did those sorts of things they had to had to um report them so and i think that's still the case at the moment they're they're under a pretty strict um set of rules which is a good thing because it, it means we get to keep having footy outside of all the stuff that we've that you've just discussed uh with this global pandemic has anything changed for you personally yeah look works a little bit different at the moment um we're only me and the team are only working three days a week at the moment as opposed to our normal full-time work um which i'm i'm actually grateful for at the moment to be back doing three days a week um but it's meant i've had to go and find some other work so um, i'm doing a bit of support work as well with some disabled people and um helping them out um so it's given me a couple extra experiences um but yeah I'd, I'd love to be able to get back to my my job full time but um obviously while this this risks around and and we can't do things as freely as we normally would be able to as far as running um running days for kids to come and play footy or going into schools and and teaching kids about footy it's not as easy to do these days so um it's a bit harder to to get that full-time work back cracking uh, change it up a little bit did you uh do you get experience to come to bottles games often no because of um the last few years i've been playing i've been coaching sorry or helping coach um side down here so it makes it sort of hard um my weekends are, are taken up a bit um i don't tend to get down there too much because it's a it's a bit away as well so <laughs> it, um, <laughs> yeah it does get a bit hard um i've been over to a few of the dogs games over over at canberra um in the past few years um which haven't been successful trips for the dogs the last couple of times i've been um, so I don't know whether I should keep doing that or not. I might be, I might be the bad omen. Yeah, but no, unfortunately, I don't get to a lot. Um, yeah, hoping, hoping next year I'll I'll be able to get to a few games and um, looking forward to see what Baz can do with the team. You can come say hi to us while you're there. Yeah, no, <laughs> um, Are you close with any of your former teammates? Yeah. I speak fairly regularly to um, Mark O'Malley um, every few days. I message Bobcat fairly regularly. Um, Jamie Feeney and I keep in contact. Um, yeah, look, there's a, a, there's a bunch of the guys that we still chat to and we've got a bit of a WhatsApp group that we, we talk and usually when someone's birthday rolls around, there'll be a bit of banter going back and forward and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, it is good. We, we keep in touch a bit. Um, Hoping to have a bit of a get together at the end of the year. Oh, that'd be exciting! Yeah, it's good to catch up if we're allowed to. If we're allowed out of this pandemic situation. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed for that. That would be awful. Well, for you boys. Yeah. Alrighty, Scotty. Uh, 
So up up next, the next lot of questions, just a, a couple of random questions. So answer them however you like. Uh, the first yep. one is actually also being requested by uh, Larry Taylor. Yep. I'm pretty sure listens to the podcast, eh, Scotty? <laughs> well, I hope so, because he adds a lot of questions for our show regularly. Does he? G'day, Larry. <laughs> All right, Scotty, shoot. <laughs> Who was the best player you've ever played with? Um, I, got, I was really lucky. I got to play with some superstars. Like I got to play with Jonathan Thurston, Sonny Bill, and Bradley Clyde, Ricky Stewart, and guys like that. But the guy that I hold, I think, is amazing, Darren Britt. I think he's just an exceptional footballer, stuck in a body that was, like, broken. He couldn't use his elbows. He could hardly train half the time, but he still managed to play for Australia and captain his club and win a grand final. I just think he... he uh, he was tough when he needed to be tough. He was like skillful when he needed to be skillful. He was, he's a great fella off the field. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, amongst all those other guys, like they're all superstars as well. And I, yeah, I've had to play with loads of them, but I, yeah, Darren Britt's a bit of a favourite for me. Favourite club to beat? Uh, well, probably the Roosters because we had that bit of a rivalry. We were both fairly. Both fairly good for a few years there when we were when we were on top of our game. So um, there was always a bit of film and Parramatta games came around as well. Obviously with the history there. So um, I love yeah. that answer because I really hated the Roosters in the early nineties. Yeah. <laughs> I think most supporters did. Yeah, I used to get the shits if we lost. Yeah. <laughs> against the Roosters more it felt like two losses in one if you lost against the Roosters and it felt like five wins if you beat them Yeah, in one that was my feeling uh, what was your favourite stadium to play at? Um, probably the football stadium I liked uh, um, I've never got to play first grade at Belmore unfortunately but um, I used to like the when when the football stadium was packed it was it was loud. Like, I remember games there where I'd be screaming at someone and I couldn't even hear my own voice because it was the crowd was that loud. It was it was good when it was full. It was really good. What was the best part of being an NRL player? Um, definitely hanging out with thirty mates all day every day that are similar age, similar. Um, similar likes and yeah we just it was hanging shit on each other all day every day working hard and then getting to play footy getting to do what you love for a job it's pretty cool but yeah being around the boys that's you probably it's funny looking back and I, I probably don't miss the games as much as I miss in between training sessions and bus rides and hanging out with the fellas as much. Don't get me wrong, I miss playing. I'd love to play. I'd love to still be playing, but yeah, I miss having that every single day, hanging out with the, with your mates. Well, that just goes to show like how close the team was. And yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's an awesome answer. Uh, did you ever stop to think how good it was to be an NRL player? Yeah, I don't think I did. I don't think I realised until after I'd finished and 
um, yeah, started working a real job in inverted commas, but um, yeah, look, uh, uh, being a footy player, it is a, it's not all peaches and cream. It's not all roses. It's not, if it was easy, everyone would do it. <laughs> it's the truth of it. It's a bit of a roller coaster, like um, being able to push yourself hard enough to get through some of those pre-season training sessions isn't isn't for everybody um and that's it frustrates me when when um people on social media are so critical of players and um because i think oh if it's that easy you go and do it just go and do it if it's that easy but um yeah i i, I don't think i appreciated it enough when i was playing but at the same time it yeah, I don't think it was as easy and as fun as everyone thinks it is. It's not just turning up and playing that 80 minutes of footy. It's a lot of hard work that leads up to that. And not only in the pre-season, but for years and years leading up to that. No one can just decide overnight that they want to be an NRL player. It takes years of hard work to get seen, to get scouted, to work your way through different grades and eventually get there, unless you're a absolute freak like Freddie or someone like that who did it very quickly but even then they were guns as kids so they obviously had to put in work as a kid Who was your favourite teammate? Um, oh, I don't think I could narrow it down to one I've got, yeah, I lived with Jamie Feeney for a long time um, Queens and I are really close but um, over the years of yeah Corey Hughes is one who, when I first moved to the club, I distinctly remember him being the person who came up and grabbed me and took me around to meet all the other boys. I'm a, by nature, I'm a pretty shy sort of person. Don't go out of my way to introduce myself to people. Um, but he came over and grabbed me and on the first training session, took me around to meet all the boys. Um, and something that I've never forgotten. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. It's hard to hard to single out guys though because you're so close with everyone. And on the opposite side, who was the most annoying teammate or teammate? If you could. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We had we had guys that loved playing pranks, drawing drawing appendages on your shoes and on your lockers and bits and pieces and. Um, yeah, I remember when I first when I first was coming into first grade was when um, when Clyde and Sticky were in there and they'd have often still do their trips back and forth to Canberra to see family and that and they'd always come back with bungers and firecrackers and bits and pieces so you'd be sitting quietly in a dressing shed or having a shower even or, and the lights would go off and a bunger would come in. And, explode and <laughs> so yeah there was always people playing pranks and, uh, I don't know if there's one more annoying than anyone else so you mentioned Darren bit uh, Darren Britt as the best player you played with who was the best player you played against um yeah again I was lucky enough to play against some superstars um uh, it's hard to say like I played against Andrew Johns but I remember I think for the most of the time that we played against him, 
the dogs had good games. Newcastle not so much. Um, I, rem- I remember trying to tackle Glenn Lazarus a couple of times and finding it really hard. I remember Gordon Tallis running straight at me and like he was strong and it was hard to tackle. Um, Freddie was a really hard guy to tackle. Um, yeah, I reckon it's impossible to limit that pound of one as well. Sorry, I'm very vague on all these answers. <laughs> That's all good, all good. Uh, I just want to say, ask best coach you ever had, and like even including the juniors, like as a kid coming through as well? Yep. Um, as a little kid, my, my old man did a lot of my coaching um, and not not um, formally. Like it would be playing games of footy out the front against the neighbours and he'd tell me what to do or he'd, you know, that sort of stuff. So my dad had a bit of influence there. Um, but folks, he was the main coach that, I had at the dogs, um, and I think he was, yeah, exceptional. I wasn't wasn't a guy that rambled on too much, didn't talk heaps, but what he said, you listened to. And, um, yeah, he was a loyal man. He was funny. He was smart. He, uh, he was just a great fella and great coach. Do you still enjoy the game today? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think um, players are fitter and stronger and more athletic than every year they, they get more so. It's um, amazing watching the game now. I think um, I think the game gets unfairly criticised sometimes because it, it gets clicks and it sells papers and um, I think the positives of the game far outweigh the little negative bits and pieces that people seem to get headlines for. Um, yeah, I do. I enjoy the game. I remember you mentioning earlier on the podcast that if the, you think the Bulldogs are missing a few older boys in the team. But what's your, your thoughts on the current Bulldogs squad? Yeah, look, I, it's hard to say from the outside. I don't, I don't know a lot of the guys. Um, it's... Yeah, I think it. I think it probably comes from higher up than just the playing squad. Um, found out the other day that a fellow named Gary Carden, who's been a strength and conditioning coach at the Dogs for 37 years, lost his job the other day. So I don't know how that can be a good thing. A guy that has, like, he bleeds blue and white and knows the club inside and out and. He's told he know he's no longer needed. Um, I was hoping that when Dean Pay got the job that and had a few, and he had a few old boys around that they'd try and get that back. But um, I don't think he got given a fair crack at having a clear roster. Like he's he's chance of doing a roster, which would have been next year. But um, with saying that, I think. Um, yeah, I, w- I wish they had given him a chance, but I'm, I'm, if he was to have to go, then I'm glad that Baz has got the job because I like. I think Trent's going to be good as well. I just mm-hmm. hope he, um, yeah, hope he gets a fair crack at it, and um, yeah, I hope they can sort out sort out everything. Um, yeah, because it needs to be a whole club thing. Like it's it's the people in the head office. It's it's everyone that needs to be on board. 
Okay, cool. Uh, just to finish off, a few questions from listeners and followers from our social media pages. Uh, yeah. First one, um, uh, we've probably covered this a bit, but I'll ask it again anyway. Uh, Frankie on Twitter at PC Fun Police. How is it like playing in the O2 squad? Yeah, like I said before, it's pretty amazing. It just, yeah, superstars all over the field and um, just had a knack of winning. Just had that, um, had that habit of winning. So yeah, it was a good year. I think I, I think I only end up playing eight or nine games of first grade that year, but I don't think I lost one. I don't think I lost a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, got a couple of questions from CBB official. Uh, how was the playing group when you were playing? I know you mentioned that a little bit earlier. And do you think the playing group was tighter when you were playing them than compared to today's playing group? Hard to compare it because I don't know the playing group now. But I do know that, like, we were we were pretty tight as a playing group. We'd, we'd carpool together to get to training. We'd train hard together. We'd have lunch together. We'd train again and then we'd carpool home together and then in spare time of a weekend or whatever we'd we'd get together and have a few beers or we had indoor cricket sides together we like we basically lived in each other's pockets and um i think that shows how close how close we all are probably a bit hard for the guys at the moment being in the in the situation they're in with the with the apollo the bubble thing with They've got to go for straight from training, straight home. They don't get an opportunity to go out and get a feed together or go out and have a coffee together or get families together and do that sort of stuff that, that we used to do weekly. Did you expect SBW to have the career he's gone on to have when you saw him at 18 years old, again, from CBB official? Uh, he was, yeah, he was always going to be going to be something good. He was... He worked really hard too, don't worry. He wasn't just, he's obviously got um, natural ability, um, but he works hard to make sure he makes the most of that as well. He He's always doing extras and he obviously looks after what he puts into his body and all that sort of stuff. So he's, um, he's earned everything that he's, that he's got out of his career, Sonny. He's um yeah, phenomenal player. Again from the C B B official. He said if it wasn't for injuries, how long did you think you could be you could have played at hooker? Do you think you could have played into your late thirties like Cameron Smith? Uh no chance, I'd say. I think uh, like injuries is the only thing that is gonna hold anyone back, but obviously me being a bit of a with the nickname Nugget. I'm not the lightest dude getting around, so I'm always going to have lower limb injuries and um, things like that. It's going to be harder to carry this fat ass around the field. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think I think it's crazy how he keeps going and how he keeps performing at that that higher level, Cameron. Uh, like they're talking about him pulling the pin at the end of this year, but he could go again, I reckon. He looks like he's going fine. You mentioned your nickname Nugget there, um, and the reasons for it. Who was the first to call you that? Actually, Dave Thompson. When I, I was almost like in the first week, I reckon of 
of turning up the training with the Bulldogs. And so no one, but no one back home here calls me Nugget. It's always Skip down here. No one ever calls me Adam. It's either Skip, people around where I live, and Nugget when I'm in Sydney. So yeah, Dave Thompson, old Bulldogs, um, Cowboys, Rabbitohs player, and um, legend of a bloke. But he's um his nickname is um snags or showbags because they're both full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there you go, there you go. Okay, likes one from CBB, <laughs> sorry, CB official. What sort of balance does a coach need to get the best out of players? Tactical or more encouraging? Um, I think it depends on the individual. I think I think that's the key to being a good coach is knowing your players as individuals and knowing what they need. Some of them, some of them need to be encouraged. Some of them are already um, ready with that part of their game, and they just need steering around tactically. So, um, I don't think I don't think you can group all your players into one category and coach everyone exactly the same. And I think that's what the good coaches do better. They know their players, know what they need, and give them what they need. What did you prefer as? when you were being coached as a player? Uh, yeah, I was probably more, like, because I, I got so nervous, I didn't need hyping up or anything like that. I just, yeah, tell me what you want me to do and I'll I'll do my best to get out there and get it done. Okay, and last one from the listeners. At Steve Highland 23 was Jonathan Thurston the larrikin we have got to know back then? Um... Yeah, he was a little bit. He um he was only a young bloke though when he was when we got to, when I got to play footy with him. So um probably wasn't he was a bit shy. Um but I remember a couple of nights where he'd have a couple of beers and get the spoons out and play the spoons and things like that. <laughs> have wow, a bit of a laugh. There you go. He's talented. Yeah, he can do everything. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, no, he's probably a bit quieter, quieter back in the day. Well, all right, Luggett or Skip, uh, that's all we've got. (laughs) Um, Is there anything that we've missed out that you wanted to talk on or anything that you wanted to finish up on? No, all good. I just appreciate you reaching out to have a chat and also appreciate your support. Um, Obviously... All the fans um, are needed at the moment, and true supporters stick with stick with their team even when things aren't going the greatest. So, um, guys like you, you two are um, are needed at the moment. And, um, I know the boys that are up there playing would really appreciate to see those fans um, keep turning up and keep showing their support. So, yeah, I appreciate it, boys. Well, thank you, Adam. The pleasure's been all ours. Thank you for your time once more. As I said earlier, it was a real thrill for uh, Scotty and I to be able to sit down with you and have a chat for uh, your career and your takes on the game. Thank you so much.